So welcome everyone. Can you hear me in the back okay? I'd like to welcome every one of you And I don't just mean every single person. I mean every single part of each one of you. The parts that you love and are easy to share, the parts that maybe you've struggled with. They're all welcome here. It's a big part of what we'll be doing this week is just seeing if we can befriend experience I think it's an essential part of practice to step out of our roles and all our busyness and just have some space to just be very different than the world we live in. I was reading recently, uh, this guy was talking about how much times have changed since he was a kid how people don't visit the same way. Basically, he was saying that people lost the ability to chill, you know? Does that resonate with you? The dude was Lao Tzu 2,600 years ago. That's what he was saying. <laughs> it was true then and it's true now. Sometimes I show up on retreat and I just feel hungover from all the busyness. You know, there's like a residue on me that feels like, wow, I've been in a washing machine full of baseball bats, you know? <laughs> so here we have a chance to uh, step out of our roles and duties. and meet ourselves with some compassion, some kindness. And a lot of us drive ourselves pretty hard. Put your hand up if you're one of those people that drive yourself kind of hard. I just want to get a sense of the room. There's all kinds of people, you know. It's pretty easy to turn this into another thing to do. You know, and now the new thing is stopping. Okay, let let's stop. Let's do that. <laughs> I remember, you know, I was I I flew all the way to Moscow to be on retreat with this one teacher. You know, and uh, you know it was just a it was the chance of a lifetime to sit with this one uh, one person that had helped my practice so much. So, you know, it's 12 hours of plane ride and then off into the woods. And, and I got there, you know, and I 
start getting settled i got my throne it was a game of thrones my cushions all around me you know and i immediately started thinking all right i got nine and a half days left i haven't even started yet i'm already <laughs> counting down like i'm in jail like i've paid thousands of dollars to come i've worked everything out another thing to get through you know so we crossed off all the to-do lists and now our job is to arrive yeah it's a it's a lot like the gym the hardest part is getting there once you're there you already did the hard part so let this time be about some uh, gentleness and I'll ask you, uh, every one of us, to work our edge, you know? If you're the kind of person that does everything perfectly, you know? You're going to come to every session. You're going to be early. You're going to stay late. You follow the schedule like that. Maybe see what it feels like to breathe some space into the schedule and, and cut yourself a little bit of slack, you know? If you're more like me and you reside in the lazier part of the cosmos. <laughs> See what it feels like to work your edge and show up to the sessions, you know? You know, you chal we're challenging our patterns here. I, I taught a retreat once and I gave this same instruction about working your edge. You know, if you're this way, do this. If you're that way, do that. I get a note, the next morning, I read it, it says, Vinny, I'm going to do what you said. I usually stay at retreats, and I'm going home. So work your edge, but stay. <laughs> you know, we're, we're here together. And, you know, in a way, it's kind of like creating a, a temporary monastery where we just get to practice together. And there'll be a bunch of different forms that we practice in, right? We'll practice eating together and sweeping together, you know, sitting and walking. I like the togetherness of it, you know, sometimes when I get backed into a corner, like in the, the shadows of my own mind, sometimes I can just feel so alone with all of this. I really want you to keep your eyes open and keep seeing. There's a lot of people here. This is this is really a precious time uh, of a lot of support too. So we're here to support y'all, and y'all are supporting each other. And uh, I don't want you to miss that part of it.
we don't get to decide what kind of content arises at a retreat, you know, like we sit down and we show up and then we see what arises, you know. We try to put an end to the war that it should be some other way, whatever the it is. That there's something wrong. A common one in my mind is, I'm not doing it right. You know, this is not a another arena for self-judgment. This practice is hopefully a refuge from that. Where we get to see those thoughts arise and pass away with everything else. So there's a lot of compassion needed. I take a little solace that it, this is not our fault that we're like this. We're, we're the ancestors of all the nervous animals, you know? The ones that stay really vigilant, those are our ancestors. So we're used to finding what's, what's happening. We're always trying to stay hyper-vigilant, you know? But I'm going to ask you, to just keep seeing the space around things as much as the things. So there'll be objects that arise, you know, thoughts and memories and plans. And there's also gaps. But we're so used to seeing the objects in the space and not the space. There's a lot more space in this room than there are people. But we generally fixate on the people. So when you're practicing, don't just see the Maybe the objects or the obstacles or however you want to experience uh, what's arising, passing phenomenon, however you hold that. Keep seeing the space around it too. That's important. Hmm. You know... I mentioned befriending ourselves, befriending experience. And there's sometimes that it just feels impossible. Again, this is a good time to not take this personally. There's another moment right around the corner. The next breath is another moment. You get another shot. You get a do-over. Every moment, another opportunity. So I try to not take, I know this is real. Serious stuff. But try to not take it too seriously. You know, it's, it doesn't have to be dour. You know, I think I, I was meditating 10 years before I decided to crack a half a smile while I was sitting. <laughs> Nobody had ever given me that instruction. You know, not to mask over anything else that's there, but there, there could be joy too. You know, so just making enough room for all of it. So this is a big experiment that we're doing this week. And uh, like I said, we're going to be moving through a lot of different activities together, you know. Yeah. No matter which one you're in, 
there's a way that sometimes I, I hold the formal sitting practice as the real practice. And everything else is just like, ah, it's cool, but this is, the, this is where the work really is. And, uh, you know, this is a, a real pedestrian view, you could say. Every moment, there's, uh, we're practicing this kind awareness. That's how I understand the practice, is kind awareness. So eating, walking, lying down, sitting up, whatever it is. But there's also a way that in retreat mode, I can... It's not kind awareness, it's more like kind of awareness, you know? I'm kind of aware. I'm casually aware, you know? So check out the way awareness kind of... It's like a balance point between like leaning out of our experience and uh, leaning in. So play with that balance. You know, when the bell rings... You know, I kind of want to shake it off like I was just did like four rounds with a guy. And now it's, see what it feels like to move from one posture to another and, and still stay connected. We'll have lots of opportunities to practice, right? There'll be noisy neighbors. There'll be uh, talks that don't resonate, you know. There'll be, uh, I'm used to a different kind of breakfast, yeah, there's all our expectations about what this is going to be, you know. Whatever it is, whatever is arising, try to meet it with some heartfulness. And when in doubt, two things. Stay present, stay kind. Cool. Can, am I heard? Yes. Yeah, so I feel honored to get to do this part of the retreat. Dropping us in, it feels like dropping us into formal practice. Taking the refuges and the precepts. Who here has taken the refuges and the precepts before? Okay, beautiful. So I'm going to be saying some things that you've heard before. Um, yet, as always, I feel like with these teachings, we've heard it all before, and each time we're hearing it for the first time. Conditions are different. People around us are different. We're different. So see if you can actually listen as if hearing for the first time. And one of the things that actually brought me to... This particular practice, Buddhism, I'd practiced many other things before that, was that I was being offered the opportunity to be a lamp unto myself. I was being offered the opportunity to be a refuge unto myself, not to look at outside of myself for answers, prayers, refuge, but that it was all here. I loved that permission. And it's what's made me stay for the last 14 years now. 
So I'd like to start with the refuges, with that idea. Um, very standard way to start a retreat, taking the refuges and the precepts. How we're entering here into a practice that's asking us to stay. This well-read book that Gil Fronsdahl, you guys might know him, translated, the Dhammapada. People threatened by fear go to many refuges, to mountains, forests, parks, trees, and shrines. None of these is a secure refuge. None is a supreme refuge. Not by going to such a refuge is one released from suffering. But when someone going for refuge to the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha sees with right insight the Four Noble Truths, which I'm going to insert a little here, we will be discussing, uh, the Dhamma Talks will be about the Four Noble Truths. So we'll be talking about the first truth of suffering, the second truth of the cause of that suffering, the third truth of Nibbana, or the cessation of that suffering, and then the fourth truth, the Eightfold Path, and how to walk that path towards the cessation of suffering. Then this is the secure refuge. This is the supreme refuge. By going to such a refuge, one is released from all suffering. So I just want to explain Again, this Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha idea of refuge. And there's some ways that it's taught as internal and external. And, I, and it, that's really resonated for me. So when thinking about the external idea of the Buddha, the first refuge, the external, yes, there is this, there was this man, a living being, not a god, not a deity, but a living being who walked the earth as inspiration, somebody who did reach awakening and who said upon his parinibbana that he believed all beings could reach this awakening. So that's this external idea of the Buddha. And then this internal idea of the Buddha, meaning the word Buddha to be awake, the awakened one, the internal recognition What is the idea of being awake to see clearly? (coughs) The possibility that right now awakening is, is here, available. First refuge, taking refuge in the Buddha. Second refuge, taking refuge in the Dhamma. So again, externally, the Dhamma, known as the teachings, all of the things that we will be Learning this week or relearning, oftentimes is more what it is, relearning the practices of mindfulness, concentration, the teachings of the Four Noble Truth of Kama. These being the Dhamma, the external Dhamma, and then the internal Dhamma, which you will all experience as we're here, is seeing things as they truly are seeing 
the conditionality of all things, the beginning and the end of suffering. And then the third being the Sangha, looking first towards the historical Sangha, the fact that we are sitting here 2,600 years later with these teachings is pretty remarkable. How fortunate that there were people before us that were altruistic enough to carry this forward for us so that we could sit here today in this room and practice. Beautiful. So that Sangha has kept this alive for us. And then I know a lot of you have your eyes closed, but I'm going to ask you for a moment just to open them and look around the room at the Sangha that you're here with. And I know we did that in circle together earlier. But here again, looking at the Sangha, this is your Sangha for the week. We are a community now. I know that's very Northern California. I'm from LA. Living in, we're living in intentional community for the next week. And that carries a lot. There's a lot of support in this room. And there's also a lot of teachers in this room. There's a lot of people that might annoy you in this room, <laughs> possibly. There are people you're going to fall in love with in this room. So this is your Sangha. Even though we're doing this in silence and we're landing in noble silence, there's a lot of communicating that happens. There's a lot we learn about ourselves from those in this room. So just acknowledging that. And we'll take those refuges in a minute. We'll take the refuges and the precepts together. So then I want to move into the precepts. And the Sangha piece sort of folds beautifully or leads us beautifully into the idea of the precepts. Because here we are as a Sangha looking towards and looking at creating a container for each other where we're not causing any harm or doing our best not to cause harm for each other or for ourselves. Here we are creating this space where we can let go of the wildness that happens out in our lives and, and we're counting on each other. We're counting on the shoulders and the practice of each other. And how we do that is through the integrity of our practice. We do that through the integrity of our actions. And so these precepts, what they point towards is not causing harm, is not living through greed, hatred, and delusion. And the first one being to um, many, many different wordings possible, but to not kill, to not cause harm to any living being. And we're in a pretty great climate right now. We're, there's not a lot of mosquitoes here, a lot of bugs, I don't think. There's not a whole lot of temptation to want to swat at things. But just notice how quickly our safety can be at risk when you see a spider or when you see a bug that might sting you or a fly that might disturb you. I mean, the tiniest of fruit flies can threaten our existence sometimes when we're practicing. That's what it can feel like. So just notice how we're living in an environment with other living beings. Obviously, we're, most of you are probably not planning on killing each other. But there are ways that 
you know, well, not yet, but there are ways that we walk through the planet forgetting that we're here sharing it with others. So just an awareness, not only are we not doing these things that are laid out in the precepts, but we're also doing the other side, which is supporting, right? So we're supporting life. The next is that we're not taking what isn't freely given. Am I still? Yeah, you can still hear me. So not stealing, again, obvious. It's really nice to get to live. Um, I mean, I don't know where most of you live, but to get to live in an environment where doors don't have to be locked, where you can put your stuff down and you know it's going to be there when you come back. We're giving that ease to each other. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? I don't have to get too into this stuff. <laughs> um, we're going to refrain from sexuality for this week. From sexual energy. From the need that sometimes we have to reach out for approval from others. So you guys have probably heard about the Vipassana crush or the Vipassana romance. So really paying attention to when you find yourself really liking the way that person walks or, you know, just the way that you might find yourself hurrying to the front of a line to stand next to the person in the food line because you just like being near them. A friend of mine was just on a three-month retreat at IMS, and there was this woman who literally was stalking him on the retreat. Every time he would walk through the door, she would open it. Every time he was in a room, she was in there. Every time, and it, he was freaked out. <laughs> he was not feeling safe in his environment. So really just being aware of where your eyes are glancing, who they're glancing at. And even as you, as sexual maybe desire or rises within you during the week paying attention to how maybe out in the world you would treat it differently but here we're asking for complete renunciation for celibacy for the week and then the next is here we're taking the vow of noble silence refraining from speech altogether unless you're in a not an interview, a practice meeting. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Noble silence is also held in retreat with the eyes. So not looking around at your neighbors, not trying to gain eye contact from people to receive something. Like we had said, one of the managers had said earlier, we're not leaving notes for each other, paying attention to notes that you might want to leave for teachers, just words in general, speech in general. Again, the journaling. There's this way that we are incredibly generous to each other with our silence on retreat. If you're here with a partner or a friend, it can be really tempting to want to talk to each other. And that can be distracting for other retreatants, and it can also be distracting for that other person if they're not also in the same space. So I just want to point that out because sometimes it's um, easy to slip into some kind of contact with a friend if you're here with a friend. 
And then the last one being to refrain from intoxicants. And often added in lay life is that lead to heedlessness, but on retreat, we're refraining from all intoxicants. Anything that will cloud the mind, cloud the heart, not enable us to see clearly, to think clearly. Now, if anybody's on any medications that you need to be on, please continue to take them. That's important. So here we sit with each other in agreement to support each other's practice as well as our own practice through the refuges and the precepts. And we'll take them now together um, through call and response. And I'm, I, I ha- was having a little debate with myself because there's, there's two ways to do the precepts and I'm actually going to let you guys vote. So the precepts, like I said, are usually, I undertake to refrain from, is usually how we take them. So we're not going to harm a living being. We're not going to take anything that isn't given, right? We're going to not have any sexual activity, blah, blah, blah. And then these other precepts that I have, I, I work with teens a lot. And so on the teen retreat, I have these precepts that say I undertake the commitment to, so the first one is to protect life. Right, so it's a commitment to the positive versus to refrain from. It's a commitment to only take what is offered to me. I think I'm going to go with that set. I made a decision. I know I asked for a vote, but <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Taking artistic license. Uh, so we'll start with the ref- refuges in uh, Polly. I'll say them first and you can repeat and then we'll take the the precepts. Namo tasa Bhagavato arahato Sama sambuddhasa Namo tasa. Bhagavato arahato. Sama sambuddhasa. Namo tasa. Bhagavato arahato. Sama sambuddhasa. Buddham saranam gachami Dhammam saranam gachami Sangam saranam gachami Dutyampi buddham saranam gachami Dutyampi damam saranam gachami. Dutyampi sangam saranam gachami. Dutyampi 
Tatiampi Buddham Saranam Gachami Tatiampi Dhamam Saranam Gachami Tatiampi Sangam Saranam Gachami Knowing how deeply our lives intertwine, I undertake the commitment to protect life. Knowing how deeply our lives intertwine, I undertake the commitment to only take what is offered me. Knowing how deeply our lives intertwine, I undertake the commitment to hold celibacy on this retreat. Knowing how deeply our lives intertwine, I undertake the commitment to speak the truth. Knowing how deeply our lives intertwine, I undertake the commitment not to harm myself or others with alcohol or drugs. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. So here now we are officially on retreat. holding this container for each other, for ourselves. Getting a good night's sleep. And enjoying the beauty of what this is. This is a very, very courageous and beautiful act just to be here. So thank you. Good night.